This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. I want to dedicate this episode to the returning of the hostages in Gaza, the success of our soldiers in defeating our enemies, the refuah shlema, the full recovery of everyone who was injured and sick, and to comfort the families of those who were murdered. This week I have two stories for you. The first is told by the late Rabbi Aaron Eliezer Seitlin, who was one of the shluchim to Sfat here in Eretz Yisrael. And in 1982, when the war in Lebanon broke out, the Rebbe called Rabbi Kaplan, also a blessed memory, who was the head shaliach of Sfat, and told him that he wants the Tanya printed in Lebanon. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, the Tanya, of course, is the seminal text of Chabad Labavitch, and it explains the Baal Tanya's approach to personal self-growth and living up to a person's fullest potential as a Jew. And one of the Rebbe's missions was to have the Tanya printed, actually physically printed, in every location in the world where there's a Jewish community. Wherever there's a Jew, the Rebbe asked that the Tanya be printed. And so what did Chabad Nakim do? They took a portable printing press, put it in the back of a van, and would sometimes literally travel from town to town, print a copy of the Tanya, move to the next town. In each place that they printed it, they would print the name of the city inside the Tanya. Now, since this was the first time that the IDF had gone into Lebanon, it was an opportunity to print the Tanya in places where it had never been printed before. And since there was a Jewish community in Lebanon, the Rebbe asked that the Tanya be printed there. So now Rabbi Seidlin had a little problem. You can't exactly drive into Lebanon. And so Rabbi Kaplan and Rabbi Seidlin, they started using all the connections they had in the IDF to try to get a permit to enter into Lebanon in order to print the Tanya. But whatever they tried, it didn't work. It was pretty easy for them to get the van, the generator, the printing press, the plates of the Tanya, the paper, and everything they needed to print. But getting that permit was not so easy. It was a war zone in southern Lebanon. They couldn't just drive into there. And all of the influential Chabad figures are trying to use all their connections to get the permit. And many of them had promises that nobody got a permit. And every night, Rabbi Kaplan and Sfat would receive a call from the Maskirus, from the Rebbe's secretariat, asking what's going on with printing the Tanya in Lebanon. And the Shluchim and Sfat, they were surprised that the Rebbe was so interested in calling every night and finding out what's going on. So it only encouraged them to try even harder to get the permit. Another night passed and another night passed and every night they get a phone call from 770 and every night they have to say that they didn't get the permit yet. Got to the point where they didn't know what to do. They had promises all over the place and they felt like they were just being given the bureaucratic runaround. And so in desperation, Rabbi Kaplan said that they should just drive to the border without a permit and see if they can get into Lebanon. And so they went on a Thursday afternoon... Took about an hour to get to the border. They get out of the van. They start saying a lechaim with the soldiers. They're singing and dancing with them. Of course, the soldiers are happy and they're putting on tefillin. And then they said to the soldiers, we want to continue going north into Lebanon. And the soldiers said, what are you talking about? It's a war. It's a war zone. You can't just drive into there. You need a permit. No permit. You're not getting through. So they stayed at the border. They put tefillin on the soldiers. They were getting each soldier to sign up to get a letter and a Sefer Torah. 
And Rabbi Seidlin tried to call anyone that he possibly could, but now it was 10 p.m. and they still didn't get the permit. And so they went back to Sfat. And when they got back, they went immediately to the headquarters of the IDF Northern Command, which was stationed in Sfat. And they got there just before midnight. And they got permission to enter the base. And they went to one of the officers, and he was very nice. He said he knew about the Rebbe. He said, the only thing I can say is that maybe tomorrow, the chief rabbi of the IDF was visiting the base, and maybe he could help. And so they went back to Sfat. They went to sleep. But Rabbi Seidlin, he couldn't sleep. He's laying there in bed, and he's thinking, the Rebbe needs us to print the Tanya in Lebanon, and I'm laying here and sleeping. And so he goes and bangs on the door of one of his colleagues. And he said, get dressed. We're going to find the general of the Northern Command. And his friend says, what are you talking about? Alan, laser, go back to sleep. It's late at night. And Rabbi Seidlin said, I don't care. I'm going to the army base whether you come with me or not. And if you don't come, I'm going by myself. And the schut will be mine. The merit will be mine alone. And his friend says, I'm going back to sleep. Good luck to you. So Rabbi Seidlin, he gets in the car. And he drives towards the army base. He had no idea how he was going to get into the base. What he was going to tell the guard at the front gate. It was 1.30 in the morning. It's wartime, and what, the guard's going to let him in so he can talk with the general to print some books in Lebanon? How crazy! But he drove at high speed towards the base, and he stops quickly in front of the gate. He jumps out of the car, and he says to the guard at the front gate, Quick! Where's the general? I have to speak with him, and it's an emergency. Maybe it was the hour. Maybe it was the Rebbe's bracha. Whatever it was, the guard opened the front gate and showed the rabbi where the general was. The rabbi tried to hide his shock, because this was a miracle to be led into a base, especially in the time of war. He'd been on hundreds of army bases, and they never let him in like that. So he went straight to the general's building, and he wasn't even sure if the general was on the base. He knew that the general's living quarters were upstairs, and the offices were downstairs. So he went downstairs, and he says to the secretary, I have to speak with the general immediately, it's an emergency. She burst out laughing. <laughs> she says to him, Rabbi, it's a war. The general is very busy. You think he has time to talk with you? The rabbi said, please, I'm coming directly from the Labavitcher Rebbe in New York. Tell him that the Rebbe has an important message from him. But if you've ever been in the army here in Israel, and I know this all too well, it's called being a Rosh Katan, small head. Meaning, you just do your job. You don't look at the big picture, and you don't do anything that you're not told to do. And so the secretary said, there's nothing to talk about, Rabbi. Go home. And then the rabbi says, just remember, I came here for something that could affect the whole outcome of the war. And I came here as a representative of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in New York. She got a little nervous, and she went in and told the general. But before she went in, she made sure to tell the rabbi, there's no chance he's going to see you. But then she quickly came back and said the general would see him shortly. And he sat there. And the general says, come in. And the secretary asked if she could stay in the room because she was very curious to see what this was all about. And the rabbi noticed that the general was very tired. And he said, general, it looks like you didn't sleep last night. He started laughing. One night? I haven't slept for several nights. And then the secretary asked the general if she could stay. And the rabbi says, general, just so you know, what I have to share with you is a classified military secret and it's only for your ears. The general thought this was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. He burst out into uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> and it took him a few minutes to calm down. But when he did, he was very friendly to the rabbi. And he said, of course, the secretary can say. So the rabbi explained to him that the rabbi wants to print the Tanya in Lebanon. 
and that has been printed all around the world, but it hasn't been printed in Lebanon. And the Rebbe knew there was going to be a war in 1967, and he knew there was going to be a war in 1973. And the Rebbe knew things that even a general couldn't know. And if the Rebbe wanted the Tanya printed in Lebanon, there was a good reason for it. So when the rabbi stopped speaking, the general said, No, what do you want from me? And the rabbi said, I want a permit to go into Lebanon. The general says, No problem. You have my permission to enter Lebanon. And the rabbi said, But I need it in writing. I need a permit in writing. So the general picks up his phone, tells the officer on the other end, Write a permit for the rabbi to enter Lebanon. And then the officer says, Where in Lebanon? So the general says, Where do you want to go in Lebanon? So he figured they'll start printing the Tanya in Tzor, in Tyre, in Lebanon. That was one of the cities that the Rebbe asked to print the Tanya in. Tzor, Tzidon, and Beirut. They figured they printed in Tzor first. And the general says, you know what? Give them a permit to enter until Tzor. And so, of course, the rabbi thanked the general. He asked for his name and his mother's name and everyone's names and his family so he could send it to the Rebbe for a bracha. But the general said, just tell the Rebbe that I gave the permit. And as he was leaving, the officer who wrote the permit said, Rabbi, when do you want to go into Lebanon? And the rabbi said, right now. The officer said, sorry, Rabbi, that's impossible. And now the rabbi thought, oh no, they're going to send him through the whole runaround again. And then the officer said, you can only enter from 4 a.m., which was just about an hour from then. So the rabbi went back, got his fellow colleagues. They drove an hour to the border. And at 4 a.m., they were allowed to go into Lebanon. They started printing the Tanya in Sur. They're feeling really good about themselves. They made it into Lebanon. And they're doing what the Rebbe asked. In the meantime, of course, they're meeting with the Hasidim, putting tefillin on them, they're saying the Chaim with them. And then the next day, out of nowhere, come three Chabadnikim driving into Lebanon. I guess the Rabbi figured, they let us in, they're letting more Chabadnikim in. So these guys come over to us and they say, the Rebbe sent a message that he wants the Tanya printed in Beirut. And the Rebbe said, in Beirut Mamish. Now the rabbi understood that if the rabbi said to print the Tanya in Beirut, they had to actually be in Beirut, not close to Beirut, not just being able to see Beirut, but actually in Beirut. So they continued, and they printed the Tanya in Sidon, in Sidon, and then they continued driving towards the front line. When they got to one of the lines, the soldier said to the rabbi, where are you guys going? They said, we have to get to Beirut. And one of the soldiers says, just keep going, rabbi. And they drive a little bit further, and they see an Arab, and they ask him in English, is this Beirut? And he says, nope, you have to keep driving. And the rabbi said, you know, the roads were completely blown up. It was very slow driving, and they have this printing press in the back of a van, and they're driving in a war zone. There's bombs going off, there's bullets around them, and finally they get to Beirut, and they find the front, front, front line, and they see an officer there, and he says, what are you guys doing here? They said, we're shluchim of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe asked us to print the Tanya in Beirut. Is this Beirut? He said, yeah. And the Rebbe was specific. He wanted the Tanya printed near the parliament in Beirut. So the officer points straight ahead. He says, that's the parliament. And then Rabbi Seidlin sees there's a few soldiers there, maybe 10 or 15 soldiers. There's a little tank with a turret facing forwards. And the officer says, you can go all the way up to the tank. Beyond that... You're already in enemy territory. And so they can see the presidential palace. They can see the parliament. They know they're in Beirut and they print the Tanya. And of course, they take the Tanya even before it's bound and they start learning it with the soldiers on the front, front, front line. They put tefillin on them. They say the Chaim with them. 
They dance with them, and then they pack everything up, and they go back into Israel, and they realize that they have to get this Tanya to the Rebbe, the Tanya that was printed in Beirut. And so instead of going to Sfat, they went straight to Ben-Gurion Airport and stood there and waited until they found someone that was going to New York, a Chabadnik. They told him, this is a Tanya that was printed in Beirut and you have to take it to the Rebbe immediately to the Ohel. And he did. And the next day, the Rebbe had a Farbrengen. And in the Farbrengen, he announces, people like to hear exciting things. So I'm going to share with you that the IDF is in Beirut. And how do I know it? Because we have here a Tanya that was printed in Beirut, Mamish. And he shows everyone the Tanya. This Tanya will help us to defeat our enemies. And for Rabbi Seidland, he said, afterwards, that was one of the great moments in his life, to have such faith in the Rebbe, to be carried by the Rebbe, to go into a war zone, to even get a permit to go into a war zone, and to go in safely and come out safely in order to print the Tanya in a place that it had never been printed before. And so, my sweetest friends, may the Tanya be printed everywhere, and may the Rebbe be davening for us in Shemayim, and all of our prayers be answered, and we be successful in this war as well. Hi, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. I have one more story for you. This is a story that my rabbi of blessed memory, Reb Shalom Brat, used to tell us often, since it's the art site of Reb Shlomo Karlbach as I'm telling the story, I wanted to tell a story about Reb Shlomo. Back in the 50s, when the Rebbe became the Rebbe, Reb Shlomo was a Chabad Chassid. He had moved from Lakewood to Chabad, and as Reb Shlomo said, I went to Lakewood to learn to learn, and I went to Lubavitch to learn to daven. And Reb Shlomo was one of the first shluchim of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and that's a separate story, but really it was the Lubavitcher Rebbe that set him on his path, really the Friedeke Rebbe. And back in those days, Reb Shlomo was very close to the Rebbe. You can also see, by the way, at the Rebbe's inaugural Fabrengen, sitting just a couple of seats away from the Rebbe at the same table as the Rebbe, is a very young Reb Shlomo Karabach with his hat tilted to the side. So one night, it's like one o'clock in the morning, the Rebbe calls Reb Shlomo into his room. He says, Shlomo, I want you to go and bring me someone. And that's it. The Rebbe didn't say anything else. So Shlomo, he doesn't know what to do. He goes and walks around. He gets on the subway. He takes it into Manhattan. It's now two in the morning. And he just randomly gets off at some spot. And he sees there's a guy there. He seems really happy. So Shlomo goes over to him. And he says, Shalom Aleichem. What are you so happy for, my sweetest friend? And the guy says, I'm getting married on Sunday. Shlomo says, really? Tell me about it. He said, yeah, I'm from a Jewish family, but my future wife, she's from one of the wealthiest families in New York, and we're going to get married in the fanciest church in all of Manhattan on Sunday. So now Shlomo understood that this is who the Rebbe wanted him to bring back. And he says to the guy, you know what, my friend, that's such great news. Why don't you come with me to my rabbi, and he'll give you a blessing for your wedding. And for some reason, the guy says, okay. And the two of them get on the subway, and they go back into Crown Heights. And Shlomo knocks on the Rebbe's door. 
And the Shalom would tell the story, you have to be a pretty big chassid to be able to knock on the Rebbe's door at three o'clock in the morning. The Rebbe opens the door, he looks at Shlomo and says, thank you, and takes the guy into the room, tells Shlomo stay outside. And an hour later, the door opens and the guy's eyes are red from crying and he can't even speak. And the Rebbe says, take him to the mikveh and then take him into 770 and help him to Davin Shachrit. And it goes without saying that the guy didn't marry his non-Jewish girlfriend. And so you see, sometimes people put Reb Shlomo down quite a lot. But what do we know, my sweetest friends? What do we really know? I can tell you, there's a story of a guy who came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe during dollars when the Rebbe was trying to meet as many people as possible. And he said, Rebbe, wish me a mazel tov, I'm getting married to a non-Jewish woman. And the Rebbe looked at him and he said, I'm envious of you. And the guy was a little shocked. He said, Rebbe, you're envious of me marrying a shiksa, marrying a non-Jewish woman? And the Rebbe said, I'm envious of you because in my entire life, I never had as big a challenge as you're facing right now. And the guy said, what do you mean, Rebbe? He said, to be in love with a woman and want to marry her, but know that because you're Jewish, you can't. That's an incredible test from Hashem. Hashem never tested me like that. And so I'm envious of you. And it goes without saying that that guy also didn't marry a non-Jewish woman. And so, my friends, may the power of the great tzaddikim protect us in this time of war, in this time of difficulty being a Jew anywhere in the world. May we be successful in our mission, not just in defeating our enemies, but in our mission of being Jews, of keeping Shabbos, of keeping kosher, of proudly being a Jew. And just like we keep those things, may they keep us as well.
Thank you so much for listening. As always, my sweetest friends, thank you to all the supporters and all of the listeners. May Hashem bless us with revealed good success in all the areas of our lives and to go from strength to strength in all things good. So have a good Shabbos, my sweetest friends. And until next week, Zai Gesund. Oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>